All you Zolnuts, how's it going? This is Russell. <laughs> that was good. I part wasn't of, expecting that one. Yeah, man. Part of the Never Ending Adventure podcast and Adventure Time podcast, walking through Adventure Time. Every week, uh, I'm here with my co-host, DJ Nettie P, coming at you live. Nettie P, as always. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about Butopia, which is mm. our second, well, it's our 70th episode, good grief. It's our second time hanging out with a certain Susan Strong. Yeah, man. I, I, it's kind of crazy how big of a character this Susan Strong is. And we we're literally like 70 episodes into the show. And or I mean, gosh, it's our 70th episode, maybe 60 something odds episodes into the show. And that's the only, the second time we've seen her. I think that's kind of wild in my opinion. So she's pretty important later on. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, again, this is my first time watching through it. And Ned has seen it plenty of times. Just so you know why I'm asking a silly question. Like, how important is she? How much does she weigh into the future of the show? How much does she weigh? That's I, well, just a gener- I don't know <laughs> if massive. you're supposed to ask that. <laughs> I don't know if you're supposed to ask that. No, but no, she's she is a very important kind of tie-in uh, between two different worlds. I'm, I'm trying to do it without spoiler drops in here. Um, but yes, there's like, they're basically kind of a whole mini series uh, called the Islands mini series that comes out, gosh, between seasons seven and eight ish. Um, and it kind of goes into all her whole backstory and that ties in with a lot more canon and a lot more of the questions that you even have right now. So she's like, yeah, it's I maybe they didn't have her full character developed by season three, and then was just kind of like, oh, we should do another like Susan Strong episode, or they were like, we're gonna draw this out all the way to the end of the show. Mm, I kind of like that. Can I ask, are the islands underground as we see her and the humans are all underground and a sewage type of an area? Good question, but no. Okay, and that's all I'll give you on that one. Yeah, yeah, I dig it. Well, but yeah, overall, man, man, this was a an interesting. So I think we're about to say the same thing. A pretty interesting <laughs> exactly. episode. I mean, I don't really want to spoil how I felt overall about this episode just yet. But okay, how, how are you that. feeling? You've seen it plenty of times. Yeah, Does man. It the stand more, out for you, and the more I'm watching this through, kind of under a microscope and watching the show, looking for details. The more I realize that you know we haven't really gotten as many dungeon style episodes through season three and this kind of feels like our traditional dungeon style episode kind of you know like the problem presents itself um we have finn and jake that come to the rescue uh either you know not necessarily a damsel in distress but susan strong you know like seeking their help and the underground going to butopia kind of feels like a little phase one phase two phase three type adventure you know Oh, interesting. I haven't really thought about it in that sort of a light, but I, I suppose you're right. It is very much a dungeon crawler. I don't think in my mind it matches that first Susan Strong episode, though. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give you the same feel. Like when when Finn sings the Susan Strong song and they have that little moment together and 
Finn finds that connection with Susan. We definitely don't get that next level connection. Maybe a little bit at the end, but yeah, definitely it's not what sticks out to you in this episode. You no. Know? No, I'd rewatched that episode too, just because I was curious to compare the two. And there are so many funny moments, funny little jokes, the marshmallow men that catch on fire and then <laughs> yeah. the way they use the marshmallow men and then they're going to scare uh, the humans or the fish people with the shadows and the shadows don't actually look like the actual candies. Like there's so many like layered jokes in that first episode with Susan Strong that I didn't really feel like this episode had. It didn't feel like it was packing. I mean, I'll tell you how I felt about the episode. I can, it doesn't really do it for me. Yeah, really? So like yeah. not going to, I mean, I'd be surprised if this one ended up in my top 10. Um, for the season. For the season. Yeah. Um, but it really might. I mean, like, I don't know. I just think we have so much good stuff coming up in the second half of this season. Um, well, I hope so. I, I just, the crazy cruise is really where they lose me or the, once they're getting on the, the raft and they're cruising and then they do the mash ups. Yeah. Uh, and then they, when they kind of like spin down like the, the whirlpool basically. All of that is just killing time. Especially, yeah. I mean, Jake even says it in his song. He's like, on a boat with a couple of wackos, which is the best part of <laughs> Dip that song. Or, in the water. And then he's like, that, that's so hot, it's stupid. And I'm, you know, I kind of agree, Jake. This whole section of this episode, like half the episode is kind of dull. It's it's a little dumb. I, I don't I know. Mean, how many times have you out. been dungeon crawling in a Skyrim dungeon? And been like, oh my gosh, I have another room of skeletons to defeat. Like, come on. Like, yeah, it, but- it's, it is that vibe, but it is, it's the dungeon crawler experience. But I do, I do see how we had the kind of the exposition at the beginning of the episode, the climax at, at the end, and then everything else in the middle, semi kind of feels like some filler. There is a lot, not inconsistencies, but, uh, I just, even the ending yeah. didn't feel that climatic to me. It just, Jake could have lifted them over the mash ups and then they go in there and Jake takes his time. The only reason there was any worry is because Jake's kind of like slowly cruising. He goes up to the top and then he has a couple of jokes. He's joking about, oh, that looks like my mom. Oh, that looks, that looks like my dad. I don't, am I missing something? Why is, why is okay. that funny? I, I did have a moment. I don't think it's supposed to be funny. That's the, that's the funny thing is like, I don't know. I, I really tried to dig deep and and watch for like subtext or clues around Jake's lines when he was like, that looks like my, or reminds me of my father. And that reminds me of my mother. And there's like, I don't know if I'm just missing something, but I was the same way. Like I was like, I don't know, is this Jake being so open-minded about an adventure and so like nonchalant that it was triggering some sort of like weird underlying unspoken thing in his mind that made him think about his dad. Like he's never had that clear of a mind on an adventure or something like that. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't think so. I think he was just trying to crack a joke and kind of be like, Ooh, look, I'm crazy as well. But oh, it guess, was, oh, I mean, yeah, it was a very funny moment when he goes up to the top and he's being chased by that large love club. And he's just like, Oh, <laughs> the little, Furnace says, light fire here. He goes, oh, so I just toss it in here? Pretty straightforward. One, two, three. And I'm just like, okay, well, that's a Jake mistake if I've ever seen one. 
making bacon pancakes. That was almost <laughs> my Jake mistake. I, yeah, actually, what you'd like, you know, you know what? Yeah, screw it. That was my Jake mistake as well, was just literally being like a one, a two, a three. And he was like, he was about to count to four too. And I think, again, I don't know if it was just Jake stalling or even yeah. amidst the love gloves, like attacking them, that he was like, this adventure is stupid. Or yeah. silly, I, you know? I agree with Jake, man. I didn't have a lovely this episode, and he doesn't deserve it. I'm not going to give it to him, but Jake is my favorite character this episode. And I wish it was mm-hmm. Susan Strong. I really, really wanted Susan Strong to lead this episode to be dynamic and be interesting. And the whole time, I don't think this adventure allowed her to be that way. It, it really didn't. It didn't open up a lot of, well, she did call on Finn and Jake to help her out. Um, not just because they had the red flower, which was the fire, but I think that she knows that Finn is a hero. She doesn't think that she is a hero at all. Um, yeah, despite like, how I need, strong she obviously is. Yeah, she she was she have super scared yet. the first time that they met her. And then she was like, I need your red flower and your hero heart. So she's kind of in this mentality um, that she's not a hero and she can't go and, you know, lead the humans back to Butopia by herself because a hero has to do that. Uh, yeah. I do think that there is a moment at the end, though, when she kind of takes Finn and, you know, he's, I think it was right after this, but he says, like, humans help humans. And she takes Finn and she like whips him around and uses him as like a, like a, almost <laughs> like a pillow fight style. And I think she kind of is, is getting the, the picture that she is a hero. She's super strong and she's fighting off the love gloves. And she's like, I can kind of do this same stuff that Finn does, you know? Interesting. Um, I've got some deeper thoughts on that that I am going to save. Yeah. So I'll, I'll well, hold that. But would you call Jake, you said your favorite of the episode. Would you call him your, give me some sugar, baby, your lovely of the episode? No, no. I, I already said, I, I don't have a lovely this episode. He could oh, be yours. Yes, Jake was my lovely of this episode. Okay. For sure. Um, well, I don't know. It's just peak Jake. It's just peak Jake-isms with him singing songs. It reminded me of the, um, the Lava Hula Hoop song when he was in the boat uh, singing that song. And yeah. my tops of the episode... Is pretty much everything Jake. Um, he has the, and kind of everything he stretches into really is my tops of the episode. He stretches large just to like smash Finn with his head when they're in the treehouse making coffee. Uh, he stretches into a dolphin head. Then he stretches into a clam with like, um, like a naked was it the, the Botticelli girl? Um, Venus. Like, well, no, it's like it's supposed to be like the Botticelli art oh, piece gotcha. of like the Venus. Um, he transforms into an oar so they could paddle the boat and then pickaxe hand. Like he just has so yeah. many cool stretchy Jake-isms. He didn't mean to do that. I think I mean, but he got Susan like <laughs> stretched into, into an oar. It. That's so interesting. I just, again, I think we've had so many episodes where Jake is doing his own adventure. He's not really associated. Like a great example is where he's trying to dig for lava, for the lava hula hoop or whatever in, in the Gladiator episode, Jake is hilarious that episode. And even though the B plot that he is on 
has nothing to do with the A plot. And in the end, you know, he helps out and they help save the day and and escape from the arena. I I don't think it really has the same weight in this episode. I think there's so many things in this episode that like they tried, they were close, but it didn't quite connect for me. And yeah, someone else yeah. may love this episode. I mean, I, I gotta say my tops of this episode is the ceiling in the cave, which is that's not a, a good tops, but it was the best part <laughs> Just, of the episode for well, me. So, I mean, you could you could expand on that too and call it. I just loved the setting of this episode. The fact that we have this crazy under is that was that would it that extend? Yeah, the, the setting was really great, but there is a scene when they are paddling, and Jake is being used as an oar, and Finn, I guess, is using the other one. They're the the actual oar or paddle or whatever, and you see this like really long, far away shot and the ceiling is drawn like beautifully. It looks really, really cool. Um, and that's like my tops for the episode. And it's the best I could do. I really, I watched it several times trying to dig deeper and that was my best takeaway for for potential tops. I can, I can, I can get on board with that for sure. I feel like... Um when you get deeper into shows and also they're kind of trying to make you feel a certain way that the setting and kind of having a really good shot um, can be, can be a big factor in that. Like that you kind of saying it was this large room, uh, you know, kind of showing the expanse of the underworld. It reminds me like Lord of the Rings when they do the minds of Moria Um, and just some of these shots, you know, they obviously green screen them into like, actual paintings that people did, actual art that people did. And some of the shots, the, the huge hallways and the tall ceilings of Minds of Moria and Lord of the Rings, it, it gives me that same vibe where I'm like, this is an incredible just frame of this, just making you feel really small, making the characters feel small. And it kind of expands on the world and, exp- and makes you, I don't know, it makes, it makes Butopia, it makes the underworld I don't know if you call this the underworld of Adventure Time, <laughs> feel a lot more expansive, you know? Yeah, no, it definitely does. And you almost touched it too. I mean, I guess what should have been my tops perhaps was Susan having a really great moment where she says, Susan's scared, but Susan brave too. Yeah, and that's and when so, she goes and she goes and she fights. She gets the courage that Finn had in his heart. She also has in her heart. Yeah. And that yeah, is I mean, a great moment. We can get deep because um, it's, it's not necessarily like my, my deepest thought of this episode, but you do really see that this is the first time Finn gets the confirmation that she's not actually a fish person. Like he he figured as much last episode, but we really didn't get the the full confirmation. Um, but when we also see that Susan rips off his hat and shoves him underwater, um, assuming that he was a fish person uh, because he wears the hat just like all the fish people. Um, so both of them were inherently wrong about the other one. Um, and kind of to your point, when she mm, says yeah, like Susan that. can be brave too, I think she draws this connection with Finn that she goes, hey, I don't have gills like the fish people. This guy with the hero heart that I you know, pursued to be my hero of this adventure, he's actually just like me. So why can't I, I can have a brave heart too, you know? Yeah, no, um, I think that's fantastic. So yeah, yeah, it, it just it humanizes both of them. Um, that Finn can see that he may have judged her too early, um, and she can see that you know she's not the only 
like she has that same realization. She's not the only human out there. Um, I wonder or, if she was getting that right at the end of that first episode too, because she does have that moment when she looks back and she kind of almost hesitates to run away to stay with yeah. Finn because she is so interested in him. And I love the parallel. I mean, it's so obvious. It's the opposite this time. Finn's mm-hmm. the one who has the look back. She she asks him to stay, like, Finn, you stay. And he, oh, he has dude. to go, of course. Oh, my gosh, great. I didn't think about this kind of being the juxtaposition of yeah, exactly totally the is. last time when when they left each other. Is that now Finn's going away after having discovered something about her. And he's almost like, should I stay? Is this where I'm like, is this where I quote unquote belong <laughs> uh, with, you know, people almost like me per se? Yeah, um, perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah, that's a no good. Oh man, I can't believe I kind of missed that same shot for shot juxtaposition. Well, I love it. I love it. Jake, you know, Jake had the soft pretzels and they had the gill. And I think Finn understood. <laughs> what do you, what do you, say? you only have, have so like much 60, time. I have like 60 soft pretzels over here. Where where did that come from? Like where Dude, are the pretzels could, coming from, man? I could only imagine uh, with all like the vendors that were in Butopia, you could kind of yeah. see like clothes, food that they had like a thousand frozen soft pretzels left over from the mushroom war, or something that like must, that. That must know? be those things. Got to be stale. They got to be so stale. <laughs> a little, yeah, probably a little. Unless the so fire nasty. heated it, heated it all up. But I've got yeah, I've got yeah. a lot more Stretch. thoughts and theories on Utopia, and I'm gonna save that for a whole. Okay. We can we can get into a whole segment. Um, I do think you know we probably should take a quick little break here because uh, yeah. I guess I still got lots to say, but can I don't want to bog people down just before like listeners are like, oh, I'm not coming back after this break. Russell hates this episode. <laughs> Let me just say like I think I overhyped it in my head. Because we hadn't recorded for, you know, we skipped a week. I was really excited. I saw that Susan Strong was going to be a main point in this episode. And I think I just, I overdid it. I was really excited for this episode. Were you I more really excited wanted be- to like it more. Because of Susan or because you thought it was going to be a lot more like canonical Susan? No, just because of Susan. Because we've seen Susan before. The first time with Susan, there was so much to take away from that episode. A new mm. character who's so deep. There's so much to her. And in this episode, we just get like a fun little like, take this fire to the big podium and watch out for the bad guys that'll pop up at the end kind of a yeah. quest. Yeah, we and do. And everything think, in between was killing time. Yeah, so, we, we, I think we get a couple of those with, with a lot of main characters as well when you think it's going to be a little bit more of a world-building, canonical, maybe big deal, maybe emotional moment type episode. But yeah, it kind of was dungeon crawler Susan adventure. You know? But they tried. They really tried at the end there, like what I was saying, the the juxtaposition, yeah, the parallels it, of the two episodes. But they it didn't tried hit that to do it and it didn't string for you. No. You know? All right, let's well, get no, a commercial, good man. Good point. But yes, we will go to a quick break. Hope you're enjoying your time on this crazy cruise. If you feel so inclined to take a trip down the lazy river, just swing on by the Russell's Raffs, Raffles and Wraps for all your floaty needs. They're great. Totally floaties. Not love gloves at all. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, inflate it, you say? Well, yeah, you just put your lips right here on the floaty's nipple. Back from a very disruptive and aggressive ad. Yeah, it is what it is. 
I it stand is by it. it. <laughs> yeah, it was I, never, you know, never suck a floaty's nipple. That is that is the lesson <laughs> or blow into. I, anyways, you, you just use the words blow and nipple in the same sentence. So I think we're gonna have to <laughs> mark this as an explicit episode. My bad, my bad. <laughs> okay, but okay, I had I did have some deep thoughts, and yeah. one of them on this episode specifically is just pertaining to this underworld, this underground world. Um, and I had a lot of, uh, just a lot of, what did you think about it? What did I think about it? Cause we did talk in the first Susan strong episode, a good bit about our theories about the mushroom war. And there's some other thoughts online too, that aligned with ours. That's kind of like, are these humans, uh, humans that were like vaulted in for a nuclear explosion um, and that's when they really like transformed, got gills. They were exposed to nuclear fallout. But the crazy part about this is that was our theoretically speaking um, hypothetical thoughts on the first Susan Strong episode. And in this one, we really see one that this underground area of ooh is way more vast than we expected. It's not just oh, yeah. one oh, vault. Yeah. It goes on for so long that I thought that was just mind-boggling in general, that there is a whole kind of second Earth under the main core of Ooh, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. And then the second thought was that we do see these humans last time, like living amongst garbage, living amongst trash, but they were meant to be living in Butopia, which we didn't even catch wind of last episode. And Butopia, dude, you can see it's got this kind of cracked dome around it as if it were supposed to be a domed in protected city obviously there was lots of like commerce and business and when they light the torch the fire like goes through the whole city and you can kind of see it well planned yeah it is it's for sure some kind of advanced technology for sure i'm sure they weren't I don't think the humans were necessarily the first inhabitants of the city. I think they kind of came across it at some point, if if I yeah. had to guess. So you don't you think that like they had well Susan mentions that the love gloves drove them out of the city. Now, do you think that they were living there before the love gloves but didn't have the fire like powering the city from like it was no, obviously they may have some had sort fire. of fire. I think yeah. they may have had fire. I just I just in my mind the whatever the fallout of this original city, whoever built this original city, is long gone. Yeah, and at no, some I, point I the humans took agree. it over. The humans took it over. It was already a mess. I think it was already destroyed, broken down, whatever. And then at some point, the floaties, the love gloves, came and scared all of the humans away. But I don't think the time period between when they were scared away from that town and the love clubs being there. I don't like, I just don't think it was that long ago. No, and no. So and you are, you are correct. I know about it. You are correct. Cause Susan hasn't been there for like thousands of years. And she was like, no. our people got driven out of Butopia. Um, and that history, I don't think that would have been an oral history that would have been passed down correctly. No, it's no. like way too like, Oh yeah, it's right here. I know exactly where it is. I know exactly what happened. This obviously happened recently. And this town has been destroyed for a long time. The dome or whatever you were saying, like, I think the original inhabitants have been gone for hundreds of years, probably. Yeah. 
in my in my theoretically speaking, now that we see Butopia um, as this underground world, is that theoretically speaking? Oh, good one. I yeah. like it. We're doing our own um, sound bites this episode, just to give it a go, just to give it a twist. <laughs> my theoretically speaking is that we were correct that it was a um, the humans were a race of people that were exposed to nuclear fallout. However, I don't think these are the direct ones that were exposed. This is kind of the lineage of a thousand oh, yeah. years ago that Butopia was built underground originally as kind of this fallout shelter type city underground as a test run for the previous thousand years, you know, whatever society lived back then. And that during uh, the Mushroom War, that the dome became cracked and potentially the fire was extinguished out of the, you know, the big thing. And that for thousands of years, the humans were, un or whoever, the, the race that then mutated, they were still living there. They were just living there kind of in the dark and, you know, evolved into fish people. And that yeah, they probably the Lub Glubs drove the fish. them. Yeah, the Lub Glubs drove them out. However, in order to even get back in general, they had to start the fire back up. But they had never had power in the past because remember how they were all scared of like light and light. Yeah, totally. Um, so they had never had that exposure to the fire. So yeah. this is the first and time a, that a candlelight is very different than the sun or an artificial light bulb. Yeah, but, that's true. That's true. But, but I no, do I, think I that this is the the beginning of a new era for the humans now that they have pretty oh, much what like looks like a fire-driven nuclear power generator to like restart whatever Butopia used to be, you know? Yeah, Lots of well, soft pretzels. They're going to need more than fire, man. I don't I don't think there's a I don't know. Well, what is it? The um I'm trying to think of a fire that never goes out. Is that a thing somewhere? Yeah, that yeah. The, that's um in France, the uh well, they have everything that you soldier. can use with um, you, if you do like oil and you do have to like refill it, but then the flame will essentially oh, like, serious, never yeah. go yeah. out. But I yeah. do think that this is some sort of fire-driven nuclear generator yeah. or so, of some kind. But it's not like yeah. something where it's like, oh, this is the one flame, the one flame that's lasted all these years, like in Avatar. Oh, or yeah, something. it's not. It's not yeah. like the eternal flame that had to be returned to like exactly the, exactly um it's not like the olympic flame or whatever give me the power man's red yeah. flower <laughs> is that a, is that an avatar thing with a, a eternal fire in <laughs> yeah, the fire kingdom I, I, uh there is um in the fire kingdom there are there is an ancient civilization of firebenders that are the only ones i don't want to spoil too much for you but that basically like have they know the teachers of firebending and they mm -hmm. are one of the few people that have stayed in contact with them. And there is a flame that they protect that I believe has never been put out before. It's been a while since I've rewatched the original series, but there yeah. is an aspect of that. And and of course that's in so many different TV shows and, and I whatnot, mean, yeah, it's but, in it's in Thor yeah. Ragnarok, like the eternal flame okay. that's yeah. locked away in the in the as yeah, Guardian. I think initially I was thinking of like the Unknown Soldier, the the uh, what is it, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. If there's a flame there, I'm not, I just can't remember. No, I think there is one on like MLK MLK's grave. I think they have a Forever Flame there. Oh, cool, um, something like that. But yeah, well, <laughs> you you get the picture. But that's my that's my deep thought on Utopia, and I just like it. I like that's why I didn't hate this episode because I really do think that. 
in a weird way, it does expand the universe, at least our theoretical ooh universe, you know, just very subtly. Yeah. Well, I got I got a deep thought for you. Ooh, um, hit me with it. Dude, I'm trying to think of sound bites as we're talking, like you're saying, <laughs> like, hit me with it. Like, uh, I almost wanted to say, give it to me, baby. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, at least it's not like deeper, baby. The offspring. Yeah. Let's well, get like deeper. an offspring reference. Uh, what is it? The all the girly Sam, pretty flap or white guy. Anyways, I was trying to figure <laughs> out why Jake had so many reservations this episode. He's just like mm. from the get go, she's bad news. She's crazy, man. She's a fish person. She tried to eat peppermint butler. Like, where's all this coming from? And, and in this episode, all the way up to the very end, you have these moments where Susan is giving off the weirdest energy. In the mm-hmm. first episode, we saw her. She was kind. She was kind of cute, but she was ignorant to the outside world and to everything that Finn and Jake were showing her. But in this episode, she just gives off this awkward, like, what is happening? Does she not understand her own strength? She she almost drowns Finn. She's, like, almost hurting him when she's squeezing his heart physically. Um, she uses him, like what you were saying, like a pillow yeah, to knock out the like love But then she goes, hmm. And in my mind, she's like, oh, I can use Finn to just to, like to hit things with him and not seeing <laughs> Finn like how they can work together to fight uh, as a team, you know, sort of a thing. So she seems, she just seems off. And it led me to, whether it's her or it's Jake, it led me to a theoretically speaking, and which for me I is... <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um I think Jake feels threatened. I think that's where the reservations are coming from by Susan. I think, um, and she just wants to drill that in the Finn's head and he's afraid that she's going to take his place and Mm. like, hey, look, she's a fish person. Like she doesn't, he just doesn't want to lose her. He wants him and Jake to to stay as close to friends as they can be. And Finn or Jake knows that Finn is interested in other humans and finally has another human potentially, especially at the end with the the gills. And so yeah, yeah. at the end, she even says, like, Jake had a, 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 he was on the right path, like, or not in the right path. He was on the right mindset because at the end, she even asks him to stay. Yeah. Um, and she's obviously interested in finding more out, more about Finn and from the get-go, Jake's like, I'm going to be destructive and obnoxious. Like, yeah, why? Th- why are you doing that? It's because he's scared of losing Finn. I think that's a really great thought, though, because I think he, in his deep mentality, that Jake does know that there are other humans out there somewhere and that there probably is a very small inkling in him that is like, well, one, he he's a dog. He's protective of his human, you know? Yeah. That's true. And I think that we see it all the time that Jake does a lot of things to protect Finn, not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, and tries to keep him like level-headed and sound. And I think he knows in his heart of hearts that this path that Finn's going down with Susan, anytime that they adventure, anytime that she shows up, that it will, kind of like you said, lead Finn to this, maybe I am meant to be somewhere else. Maybe I'm meant to be yeah. with other humans. Um, wow, didn't even think about that. And I think that's a great deep thought. And and in a way that Jake would handle it emotionally is Jake would play it off as a joke, will play it off as being, you know, obnoxious and disruptive. But really deep down, he's got this really 
deep fear in him. And yeah, maybe so. He doesn't want to lose Finn. And as I was saying, I mean, he knows that she's interested in him and he's interested or she's interested. No, he's interested in her. Jeez, my mind. Long, <laughs> long working day. Um, and, and I think he's, he is being protective, but his protectiveness is out of like desire and maybe selfishness for keeping Finn by his side mm-hmm. and not losing the time with Finn. And, you know, I'm just seeing this in this episode. We haven't really seen that in other episodes. He's usually pretty good about letting Finn go do his own thing. I just yeah. wonder if he feels threatened by an, a human potentially. Yeah, well, and it really, I mean, it that even plays into your theory, the fact that this episode opens up. First of all, I, got, I had to also mention it, the, the cozy treehouse, they got candles lit. Jake's like, what kind of coffee you want, bro? And they're having like this super chill hmm. treehouse bro moment. Stormy weather, so And then Susan busts down the wall of their house. So it is very like, Jake was like, dude, we were we were having our bro time. We were chilling out. We were drinking coffee. Um, and yeah, and it was disrupted by kind of this being, this human that Jake, first of all, just doesn't trust in general. And second of all, Finn, he sees Finn's like, we just got to do this, man. It's, he sees that there's some sort of weird subconscious thing of Finn that wants to pursue yeah. knowing more about Susan. And so I think that's part of the reason why, too, Finn decided to go, no, we're not going to stretch over the smash-em-ups, even though there's no way they made it past that second one, given how <laughs> fast the smash-em-up thing yeah. was going. Um, but I think he's trying to bond with her. He's like, oh, this is a moment I can show her that I trust her take mm-hmm. on what's happening. And I, I can show that, like, like I'm following you here. And that's a great way to to build that relationship in his mind. And Jake's like, no, dude, this is stupid. Like, we're, we're going to get killed by doing this. But I, I don't know. I think Jake was, like, kind of right to be a little bit protective. And Yeah, I think he was right to just have reservations. The last yeah. meetup that she, like, scampered away on all fours with a bunch of fish people. I mean, I, yeah. in, any normal level-headed person would be pretty wary of that. But, you know, Finn, as we know and behold, he's not... a always a level-headed person so well it does make me it kind of takes me to i've been watching a lot of one piece right Mm -hmm. and i know you're not a one piece guy but just to talk about the two heroes you got finn and you have luffy luffy is he's tough he seems to always kind of know what to do internally in the toughest of scenarios he knows what to say to his friends to get them motivated or to bring them all back together and he just, he just everything feels intentional with Luffy in my mind. Even yeah. when he's being goofy or being silly or like going after meat or whatever, like it's how he gets replenished, it's how he recovers, it's how he gets stronger and goes back out there, gets back in the gear, whatever, and fights again. Finn, on the other hand, he's kind of making it up as he goes. Even whether he's trusting her or not, Finn just feels like he's like, yeah, it seems like he's kind of trusting his gut, but he doesn't know why he's doing it. And he's just learning to be a hero still. But they're a similar age. I, I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting comparison of two wildly different adventuring heroes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it goes into a lot of traditional storytelling aspects of the development of a hero and a hero's journey when he's still kind of that, you know, young person. Even look, I mean, look at Hercules, the Disney cartoon, when he's super strong in a, in a, 
you know, has the abilities to be a hero, but then has to go and get all the training and actually grow up. Um, well, and even Finn yeah. isn't going to be super powerful, right? Like, like no, strength wise, no. he's not. No, gonna, no. And maybe that's why Finn is developing in a way that makes sense for Finn as a hero who's not going to become, oh, I can destroy planets strong. Whereas Luffy develops, even though his personality is always kind of what it is, he physically develops and gets stronger and trains and yeah. all that in a, in a more physical way. So I, I actually, I like it. I like looking at it like that. That helps that comparison and, and also me yeah. enjoy the two different heroes of the shows that I'm watching right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's, I would, I would keep viewing Adventure Time through that lens in the sense that every time Finn in theory, like levels up, gets to like next level Finn <laughs> really is all based around emotional experiences and cool. what he learns in adventures. Like what he's going to learn with Fire Princess at the end of the season, what he's going to learn about PB, all of that development actually is his power to make him a better hero is that he possesses the power to make the right decision in the wrong, the right decision over the wrong decision when it gets really hard, you know? He needs um, to just take that hat off, though, man. He's got the best hair. Oh, uh, I wanted to just take a moment on that, too, that we've seen little snippets of him taking off his hat, you know, since To Cut a Woman's Hair, when he shaved off all of his beautiful locks. And I love that the show has kept his hair growth consistent, that now it's kind of like scraggly Admit, long. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's truly, it's grown, because like I think he takes it off sometime at the end of season two, and it's come back a little bit. It's like still like a little spiky short. And now we see actually like the creators of the show are showing that time is passing, which is, I it's think, just great. incredible show consistency. No, I, I totally agree. And again, I mean, I'm thinking of One Piece. It's like the scar, like certain characters get scars in certain fights and they stick with them. Like mm -hmm. that does add that extra element to the show that you're watching where you know the the writers care about the story and they, yeah. they actually do care about what's happening and where we're going with these characters. Yeah, well, and it shows that it's go, it is going somewhere in general, that if a show shows character growth consistently, um, emotionally speaking, and through something as silly as hair growth, you're like, hey, that's actually really cool that I do see this connection from a previous season. And I get the reference, and that just that adds to the fandom aspect of it, which that's why we're having this daggum podcast. Yeah, totally. All right, man. I do want to hit you with some facts because yeah. these this episode had amazing references. Lay um, it on me. Lay it on me, baby. Is that the is that the soundbite? <laughs> lay it on me. Nitty's Fatoids. There it is. That's the soundbite. Well, yeah, we got two soundbites for this one segment, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> the first super fun one was in reference to H.P. Lovecraft, who is a writer, wrote a bunch of like weird sci-fi monster mystery. Most people know of Lovecraft's work from Cthulhu, which is wildly popular through the South Park episodes as well. But that the Love Gloves were actually uh, an inspiration from a Lovecraft monster called the Shogoth or Shogoths. And the definitive descriptions of Shogoths come from the above quoted story, which is the Cthulhu story. Um, and Lovecraft describes them as massive amoeba-like creatures made out of iridescent black slime with multiple eyes floating on the surface. Whoa. They're protoplasmic, lacking in any 
default body shape instead of being a form with limbs and organs at all. They measure 15 feet across when a sphere, through, though the story mentions the existence of others of much greater size, being amorphous, the shoguths can take on any shape needed, making them very versatile within aquatic environments, which I was like, boom, this is straight out of Lovecraft book. That's awesome. They sound um, really rad, and the love gloves look really cool. I got to say, I love the black with what you're saying, that you're just, like the green outline was a very cool vibe. Yeah, it, it definitely added the creepy aspect that the episode needed. Like, what would be something that would scare someone like Susan Strong? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I also thought it was funny that though they were pretending to be floaties when they kind of came out, they still had like, floaty aspects baked yeah. into them, you know? I, I think that first one was actually a floaty, though. <laughs> there <laughs> was maybe was one, one, one hidden real floaty, floaty in there. <laughs> yeah, because they definitely moved. She's like, don't move. And they definitely, like, turned to watch it go away from them. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. What's that? I mean, was it, like, Transformers when they can, like, scan an object and then just become that object? Oh, yeah. It's like that. So. Where there had to be one true, like, original floaty that they scanned <laughs> to become the floaties. <laughs> Um, Maybe so. But that was that was the best reference in this one for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, another one was Red Flower, which is taken from the Jungle Book, where you know the Jungle Book refers to fire as the red flower. Um, uh, Susan Strong says, "I'll be back," which is super Terminator for sure. Yeah. Um, and like I had also mentioned, um, Jake's clamshake woman in the head in the clam, whatever was um, the birth of Venus by. Sandro Botticelli. Okay, okay. Um, so cool cultural references in this one, I have to say. The other cool factoid, I'm sure all the OG Adventure Time fans caught this one, was that when the Lubglum uh, first pops out and takes a skull of what looks like one of the humans, um, it has little bunny rabbit ears, and it very, 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 very much resembles Fiona's like bunny hat. Um, mm. I think it's been not confirmed or denied by any of the writers that it was actually Fiona, but there is a character in the title card and this skull reference of a little woman wearing this bunny hat. So I think they threw it in there to give you this whole, let's take you down a rabbit hole of was Fiona a real person? Back in, at in the day. At some point that maybe yeah. the Ice King knew. That'd be really fascinating. I know. It's and it's I think it's still to this day neither confirmed nor denied. They really didn't answer a true so that like that's why it can't even be a spoiler drop. There's not even like a true source of truth of Fiona and Cake, but they throw a nice little okay. nod to keep the keep the watchers guessing what's going on. Ned, you like techno music. What do you think of the weird musical change that happens when they start fighting all the love clubs at the end of the episode? I don't think I picked up on it. Was it just, did it get really techno-y? I, I don't think super I... super techno-y at the very end there. I don't know. I just, it, it threw me off. It was just another aspect of the episode that I was like, ah, oh, what? That's a weird choice or like a weird mm. transition from like silly, cool music to techno yeah, I'm, it, I'm just complaining. I would, I would imagine. Woe is me. <laughs> Russell's qualms. Russell's qualms. Russell does have a sexy character of the episode. Oh. 
Let me have your babies. Um, sorry, that's that's the soundbite in case you're new. I'm going to have like, your babies. <laughs> uh, it's the human with the panda hat. Same one as the original Susan Strong episode. You know, I, maybe she's not a fish person. No, she is. We've, we've is it the one, she like she's like in a red dress or something like that? And as they're putting um, the city back together, it's kind of she's like a like, dark brown. You see her just for half a second. Um, yeah, I, I picked up on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's great. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's Sorry. yeah, lucky. Visual gags, visual gags that we're on a podcast. Inside jokes that even y'all won't pick up on. No, no, I okay, I give you that one. I'll give you the let me have your babies <laughs> on that one. Uh, I just oh, needed man. something. I didn't have a lovely, so I needed to throw something in there. Um, yeah, do you have well, any other factoids? Um, that was pretty much my main factoids there. We talked about the the Finn's hair being uh, slightly longer than it was in, in yeah. Takata Woman's hair and in Mortal Folly. That was the other time he took it off. Um, only other one that, I don't know if I even picked up on it, but the clashing gates are carved to look like two hands fist bumping, uh, yeah, which is very just that. like Adventure Time style. So that is the end of Nettie's Factoids. Well, then let's go straight into the Traveler's Log. It's been Ooh. a minute. Though, I don't know, maybe we had a Traveler's Log the last episode we did. But regardless, uh, Flower Star 47 what's up? Uh, I think your actual name is Natalie. I guess I could have just chose one, but I said them both. I hope that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyways, so Natalie says, firstly, I'd like to thank you guys for committing to this podcast. I have loved this show for many years, and I've rewatched it many times. I recently finished watching uh, Around with my boyfriend, who hadn't seen the show before, uh, fully through. So, hey, that's awesome. Um, me too. It was so fun to see his reaction and relive my childhood. Okay, on to the episode. And she actually wrote this before we got into this episode, Utopia. So she says, um, right out of the gate, our two favorite boys are cracking jokes. Hazelnut joke was pretty good, I must say. Also, Jake turned into a clam. He got so she's just like loving Jake, I'm guessing. Turned into yeah. a clam. He like was said, he, the he, naked he mermaid. Is the very nice. Yeah, he was very overall funny lad, as she says. I enjoyed Susan Strong episodes just in general, since she's such she's full of mystery. And later down the road, uh, we get to see so much more of her past is insane. It was very interesting to see more of the ruins of the human world as me and Ned talked about earlier. Um, those pool floats were mad creepy. <laughs> I would assume they were a mutation from the bomb. Uh, to fast Ooh, forward the scene where Susan puts the fin- or puts Finn's hand up her hat, it sparks so many theories. Uh, it, I took or it took so long to find out. So I guess she's saying like that moment is something that like we're going to be sitting on for a while before we actually find out like what it meant. Uh, yeah. truly, um, which she says is totally worth it. Um, so shout out. Thank you so much for writing in and like just being a part of the Traveler's Log. I love it, man. Yeah. I'm glad people are enjoying the podcast. Yeah, I'm glad people are too. Thanks, Nat. Yeah. I'm going to call, call you Nat. Not really a, not really a theory. Uh, yeah, we're going to give her three names. Um, <laughs> not really a theory necessarily, but certainly like good thoughts. And it's a, it's a good episode. I, I don't think it's a terrible yeah. episode. I just... You know, it just isn't. It's a good episode with some filler. The first one, the first one was so good. Well, it's a good episode with some filler in there. But I like Natalie's point because it leads me to my final deep thought, which which transcends into my lesson of the episode. Yeah, Um, is that that last moment when 
it's the beginning of the episode is when Susan realizes that Finn doesn't have gills. I think that's a big moment for this episode. And at the very end, I think Susan kind of looks Finn like dead in the eye and is like, hey, you need to understand that I don't have gills. And that's why she puts his hand up in her, you know, her mask or whatever. And they have this this kind of intense moment of like, okay, we were right. We were, we were both right the first time that we're the same. Um, and that overall, as that huge moment, I think it leads to a very, very overarching theme of this episode that things aren't always as they appear on the surface level. Um, first of all, the underground world is way more expansive, actually pretty nice. It's not just a garbage-ridden world with garbage-ridden people. Um, Finn wasn't just a human, um, a human, excuse me. Um, <laughs> Susan wasn't a human. Um, Susan's quest was actually real danger when Jake just thought it was going to be another, like, let's be scared of grass episode. And so I think it has a lot of uh, lessons learned that, like, you know, you could you can nudge things off and write them off and be like, oh, it's, this is not danger, or oh, that person is definitely who I think they are and what I think they are, and it takes going on an adventure and going through through things with people in general to um, investigate and dig deeper. That there's a lot of depth beyond surface level um, that yeah. you really have to take time to get to know. So that's that's my deep, you know, little like cheesy Ned lesson of no, the episode. No, I like that. You get a lot of people open up to you and, and not just judge them on the surface, which mm-hmm. was Jake doing that or was Jake trying to stop Finn from getting to know Susan? That, you know? I know. I don't know. But no, that, yeah, that which does could be bring the deeper, another layer. Yeah. I like that. It's another, yeah, the, the extra layer that a lot of this episode was like brushing Susan off. These people don't matter. They're just silly. Um, they're just fish people. So like, why do they matter? And that there's everything's not just that black and white, you know? Yeah. That's so, great, dude. I my know, lesson, you have any deeper, yeah, I was going to ask you if you had any deeper lessons. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's deeper. My lesson is not like a funny one this time around. It's My lesson is basically this. So just because you are scared or afraid doesn't mean that you aren't or you can't show great bravery, which we see mm-hmm. with Susan Strong. I don't think she wasn't afraid when she went to, and she even says like, uh, just because, what is it? I'm trying to look for it in my notes. Susan's scared, uh, but Susan brave too. You can be both of those at the same time. And any moment when you're nervous or whatever, like, it's okay to be nervous. It's okay to be scared and let that push you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And isn't, I, I like well, that. And is, isn't that a, I don't think we address that enough really in day-to-day lives is that in essence, to be brave, um, you have to be somewhat scared or afraid of or cognizant of danger because if you're oh, not yeah. scared or afraid you're not necessarily being brave you're just being stupid ignorant. at that point yeah, you know yeah, stupid yeah. or ignorant at that yeah, point that's true you know? yeah whether um, so i the mean two, the maybe two it's go something together, where someone like, else perceives what you're doing as brave but in this situation for her and for us like we can be afraid of the future or what we're about to do and yet we can show great bravery by going in there and doing it to the best of our abilities. And that's a rad lesson from a less than rad episode for me. Yeah, gosh, that is, that's, I'm literally trying to dig through my mind and I'm like that, this is the lesson from some Disney movie or some Pixar movie. Oh, I'm sure it is. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm sure it I'm is. I'm like, oh, what is that? Like, I don't know. We just watched the new Lightyear movie last night. Um, oh, how was it? 
my recommendation of oh, today, yeah. my Rex here was yeah, the Lightyear movie. Honestly, I kind of went in with some low expectations, but it it was really great, man. I think it, it wow. told a cool Buzz Lightyear story. They got kind of uh, super meta with like time travel and multiverse kind of stuff, which I was not expecting. Um, so yeah, I'd say my rec is uh, if you got Disney Plus, just give it a watch, even if you have low expectations. Dude, if it's on Disney Plus now, I'm totally gonna watch that. That's yeah. great. Yeah. My my rec is I've discovered a new YouTube favorite of mine, and I it came from a place that I would not have expected. Do you know <laughs> the song? Well, first off, Ned, do you believe in a thing called love? Yes, I believe in the blah, blah, blah. I mean, Justin oh God, Hawkins, that note. <laughs> the lead singer. I know I'm a terrible singer. Justin Hawkins, the lead singer of The Darkness, which is that band, has a YouTube channel. And on it, he just talks about other music. He breaks it down. He has a guitar. He's like chatting with, you know, the camera or whatever. He's like, oh, interesting how they did this in this one part. And then he figures it out on his guitar super fast. And then he talks about what they're doing or why it's interesting to him. And coming from someone like that who has had a huge hit song, it's it's really cool. I, I never thought I would enjoy something. I mean, The Darkness is fine, and I enjoy that one song. It's not like my favorite band by any means. Um, and I just, I had never thought to look into that band, but now I'm like, I need to check their music out. Gosh dang it. Like, yeah, I've never, such a I've cool never really, never really dug into He's great. anything besides that one song. Yeah. Well, I highly recommend Justin Hawkins Rides Again on YouTube if you're looking okay. for some music breakdowns and, just talking about rock music. He's a, a rocker who loves a good guitar solo. Um, but regardless, thank you for staying around. It's been a whole hour practically, and I'm glad you're still here if you're still here with us. Really appreciate you. I mean, we do this uh, for us, but also for you. And um, we love that people are interested in it and enjoy listening to us talk for an hour, um, yes, which is just the, crazy. The- the interest, I mean, we would be doing this regardless of the travelers along with us, but that's definitely something that for sure keeps yeah. us going. So keep sending those travelers logs and where can they send that traveler's log to, Russell? Well, Ned, you can send it right over to you too, but <laughs> just trying <laughs> to match your energy. You need to, uh, I need to get your script to be like, follow us on Instagram, 107.1, yeah. never ending adventure. Instagram on Never Ending Adventure Podcast. TikTok on Never Ending Adventure Cast. Twitter on NEA underscore podcast. Email us your thoughts, your opinions, your theories to nea.travelerslog at gmail.com. YouTube, we're there. We don't post much. Well, we post the episodes and clips, but hey, check us out there. Review us. We'll still send you a sticker. Uh, I think Ned said the other day he was working on those. Yeah, I've got a backlog of them, guys. Work's been a bitch. Now we can yeah. really now we can really market explicit, but it's been bad. So I've got I'm staring at a stack of stickers, staring at a list of addresses. So they're coming at some point. <laughs> and if you haven't done it yet, let us know. We'll send you a sticker if you you give us a little review on iTunes, on Apple Music, or even if it's just like a Spotify. Give us five five a star. I want a five star, and we will uh, give you a sticker as well. Regardless, thank you so much, y'all. Every Tuesday, hopefully we won't skip another week. Next Tuesday, Ned, we'll do another episode. Uh, It's been so good. And I just got to say, party forever. And I love the Jew guys.